ever been there, done that, bought the t-shirt? Well, today we're gonna do more than just get the shirt. Today we're talking about been there, done that, got the t-shirt. As I'm thinking about this, how many times do you go on vacation, on a trip, and what do we want to do? We want to bring back a souvenir. So most of the time we go and find something that is unique or specific to that location, has the name on it, right? We buy that shirt that has the city, state, that country, and we bring it home to show off and to remember all the good times that we had. Well. I want you guys to think of this in a whole different way today. You don't have to just buy the shirt and recall all the memories. You can go back to these places and have such a wonderful experience again and again. But most of the time when we go somewhere for the first time, we say, wow, this was once in a lifetime. And that saying simply means that we have no expectation that will ever return that this was once in a lifetime and it won't ever happen again well when we think about our spiritual life if we have that one encounter with God that's good but God doesn't want us to just have a one-time fellowship with him a one-time moment to where we receive what he's given to us. He wants us to continually, every single day, to enter into his presence, to have victory, to have prosperity operating in our lives. So I want you guys to go with me to 1 Corinthians 9, 24. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So let's stop right there for a second. This seems so simple and obvious. If you're in a race, you're in it because you want to win, right? And in a natural race, we're doing it for a prize, that medal, the recognition, right? But there is so much more depth to this verse. So let's keep reading 26. So I run with a purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So what is this verse telling us here? There's a lot of times we can tell people about the goodness of God, about Jesus, about all the things that he's done for us. And when it comes time for us to stand up in faith, or to believe in a situation that things look impossible, we can sometimes cap out. Don't raise your hand, but how many times have you or someone you've known given you advice on what you should or shouldn't be doing, but they don't take their own advice when it comes to their life? Well, God doesn't want us to miss out on the blessing, on the good things. So I'm going to read this again, but I want to read it in the message translation. You've all been to a stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs 
one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm standing alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Has this ever happened to you? To where you'll read the Bible and you think, wow, that is so good. I want that. But then we don't put action to our faith. And what happens is things come, pressures applied. And because we're not continually filling ourselves up, we forget about the promise that God has given us. And we settle for what we think we can have right now. A great example of this would be the children of Israel. If we go to Exodus 12, 51, it tells us it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Now, this was such a wonderful thing. Pharaoh had been holding them enslaved and they were being treated horribly and they have just been freed, right? God has brought them out of Egypt and he's supposed to be bringing them into the promised land. Well, that day is exciting. They've just seen, wow, he's let us go. We are free people. So their excitement levels pretty good. But then when we continue reading on, we're about to find out things turn around really quickly. Exodus 13, 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. Now, God has already got them out of a place that was dark. Now, as they are moving forward, he is protecting them. He's given them a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night to where they're able to continue moving forward, have that light, have that protection. And we're going to see that Pharaoh sends out the armies to come and get them again, right? So as they're being pursued by Pharaoh's army to bring them back because they don't want them to be freed anymore. Now the children of Israel have the choice here to look at what they're seeing and think, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. Or to say, no, God has freed us. He's already brought us out. He's already given us this cloud and this fire to where we can move forward. But so many times what happens is we start looking at what we can see with our natural eyes, what we can hear with these ears, and it makes us react instead of respond the correct way. What do I mean by that? Well, let's keep reading here. Exodus 14, 11. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dwelt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? All right, so you heard it yourself. They are in a state of panic. This is the choice they have made. Now, 
they're questioning Moses. Why did you bring us out, right? Now it's Moses' fault that they've been freed. Earlier, it was a good, God did this. Oh man, Moses, you're so great. I'm, this is awesome. And now it's, ah, we're casting blame, right? Because they're looking at the pursuit instead of the goal, instead of the destination of where they were headed. So in a very short period of time, they have already lost sight of God's promises, of God's word that he had given to them. Why is this important? Well, God didn't tell them to come out of Egypt and stop, to camp out and be like, hey, this is where you're going to live. No, he was telling them to continue to move forward. But because they kept looking back at to what was coming after them, it caused them to say, oh no, we are not going to make it. Now, I know we've all been guilty of doing this at some point in our life to where we're standing in faith or so we think, but then things get harder, pressure is applied, deadlines need to be met, and what happens? We want to fix the problem. We want to figure it out. We want to analyze it and we're like, it's not happening fast enough. How are we going to get out of this situation? And that is when we get into a whirlwind of trouble because now we're trying to fix things on our own ability instead of relying on God and letting him be our strength and be our provision and give us that wisdom that we need in order to keep moving forward. In fact, in verse 15, it says, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. We need to remind ourselves this sometimes to where we need to keep moving forward. Even though we're like, I don't know how to move forward. Ask, stop and say, Lord, give me wisdom. The word of God tells us if you lack wisdom, ask. It's very simple. It's something that we have to take moments to pause and say, okay, Lord, I need you to guide me. I know I've been guilty of doing this myself to where I'll pray and uh, I seem to be the one doing all the talking. And then I'm like, well, I didn't hear anything. And so I'll go on with my day. And the Lord has to correct me and say, you've got to stop talking and listen so I can give you the answers that you're needing. If you're a parent, I'm sure you can attest to this, that your kids, sometimes they want to do all the talking and you're trying to help them and give them the right insight and that, that wisdom that they need. But if they don't take the time to be quiet and listen to what you're saying, then it's going in one ear and out the other because their brain is just going and going and they're not getting it on the inside of them to be able to see it through. Well, we are God's children and he's talking to us every single day and he wants us to continue to move forward. But if we don't know how to move forward, it's easy for us to get off track and take some detours because we didn't listen to the first step that he told us to make. And so he said step right, but we went left. And a lot of times the enemy will try and put condemnation on you and make you feel guilty or not worthy because you missed it and we have to understand that Jesus loves us so much that he's always there for us so when we say okay yeah I missed it and we come back to him he's right there to pick up where we left off so we can continue moving on 
Now, as we continue with this story about the children of Israel, it is such um, a remarkable story. And can you imagine living this in real life? It just would have been amazing. Because they come to a point to where they're at this body of water and it looks impossible to cross. And now they have the pursuit behind them of the enemy to overtake them and bring them back into captivity. Or they're trapped by this body of water and saying, oh my gosh, there's no way out of this mess. But God, right? He's always got the answer. And so he tells Moses to stretch out his hands over the sea and the sea began to what? Divide. And the children of Israel went across this water on dry land. So the waters had split open. And now it's not wet. They're literally walking across on dry land. This should get your hopes right back up there, right? You would think, wow, I just saw these waters parted. Oh my gosh, this ground is dry as we continue walking on. And then as they all make it across to the other side safe and sound, the enemy is now pursuing them once again. And what happens? The water comes back on top of them, killing them. Now, you can just imagine standing there seeing this take place and you're just like, Wow, he brought us out of Egypt. We come to this obstacle and then the waters parted and we're freed once again. This, you would be like on cloud nine, right? But once again, they're in the wilderness. Did God tell them to camp out in the wilderness and this was where they were going to live for the rest of their life? No, he did not. He told them they were going to go to the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. And so as we think about this, that should have been what was on their mind of that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. Man, God is so good. But because they felt like it was taking too long, they forgot again where God said he was going to take them. And so they took things on their own and they, again, got into a whole mess of things, making idols and doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. They didn't end up going into the promised land, most of them except the ones who were born later, but they were promised this land, but because they couldn't get past what they could physically see in that moment, they stopped and they camped out and they lived there for the rest of their life until they died. Well, I've got good news for you because God doesn't want you to die in the wilderness. He doesn't want you to barely get by. He doesn't want you to have to settle. He doesn't want you to just have that one-time experience when you accepted him into your heart. He wants you to have healing in your life. He wants you to have prosperity. He wants you to have a good, healthy marriage. He wants you to have a good job or career, whatever it is, right? Whatever God has called you to do. And so remembering the promises that God has given to us should get us excited to keep us moving on the way that we need to go. So never forget what God has done for you. So how do we know what God's done for us? Well, we get into the word of God. We get into the body of Christ, right? We get into church. We have fellowship with him daily, finding out who he is, who he created you to be. God doesn't want us to forget his benefits. The best way to not forget is we need to position ourselves in and around God's word 
daily. I think about, um, you know, those foreign exchange students and they'll go to this country and they don't speak the language and no one around them is talking in their native language. So they are in an environment to where I'm sure it's very uncomfortable. It's awkward because you don't know how to communicate with anyone and you are just listening I don't know, maybe using hand gestures, trying to communicate in a way to where you can get what you need, go where you need to go. And as they're submerged in this, and day after day after day after hearing all of these things, they're able to speak the language. Why? Because they're not trying to talk in their native language and convince everyone else that, hey, this is how you talk my language. They are learning how to talk that particular language. Well, we need to do this with God. Sometimes we need to set aside certain things to where we open the word of God. We, we get into his word. We're submerging ourselves in him to where we begin to talk his language. We begin to think his thoughts, right? This is a lifestyle, you guys. It's not something that we just do one time. It should be something that is a constant because we love him, because he loves us, and he has so much that he wants to pour into us. It's just a matter of us saying, okay, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? What do you want me to do? And allow him to use what you currently have and grow it. This is how our faith grows. The more we use our faith, the stronger our faith can get, right? So right now you may be at the point to where you can believe for $10, right? Um, and then you get that $10 and you're like, woo, praise the Lord. Now you're able to believe for something bigger. Now you're able to believe for that car. Well, you got the car. Now you're able to believe for the house, right? Now you're able to believe for whatever it is. Like, But it keeps going up every time that you stand on the word, you apply God's principles, and you see those results manifest in your life, then that leads you to that next level. And you're like, okay, Lord. And then when he'll say, okay, well, believe for this. Now you're like, oh, okay. I currently keep a log. I'm big on list. And so I have this journal. Anytime um, an answer prayer happens or something good happens and um, I want to remember those things, I write it down. So if I got green lights on the way to work, I write it down. If I got a front row parking, I write it down. And it may seem so small, but I'm telling you, when you're thankful for the small things, when the big things come, it's going to be a hundred times better because in those moments, you allowed yourself to be grateful and thankful for every little thing. And God cares about the details. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He cares about all aspects of your life, right? And so no matter how small or how big it is to you, remember that God cares about all of it. So sometimes we need to just stop and evaluate. What environments am I in? Is it things that I need to be listening to or looking at? And if not, where do I need to position myself to get the right things inside? Then you can ask yourself, what do I want more of? What do I want out of church? 
What do I want out of this relationship with the Father? I think about music in this aspect because so many times we can go to church and the praise team will be singing a song and we know the lyrics so we're singing along but it's out of a routine a lot of times. We know the lyrics so we sing the words but there's no power or anointing being released behind it. It's just us singing a song. Well, God wants us to take it deeper than that. To when we're singing out those words, we're declaring something over our life. We are entering into his presence. We're letting that glory come down on us. And it's a completely different atmosphere. You may have come in tired. You may have come in angry or had some things going on in your life. And you can lift your hands and say, I love you, Lord. And you just begin to sing and to worship. And in that moment, you can just feel his presence just be completely up on you. And it's as if no one else is in the room with you. I don't care if there's thousands of people in the room. Everyone else kind of disappears and it's just you and God. For the longest time, I had the hardest time getting into a place to where I could enter into worship because I was always concerned about what other people were thinking. Is someone looking at me? What are they going to think if I raise my hands, if I close my eyes? Oh, I don't want to be the one who's following, right? Because we were always told, you know, we're not followers, we're leaders. And so I was like, well, they're raising their hands. So they're going to think the only reason I'm doing it is because they're doing it. The enemy will throw some crazy things at your mind. And so this is where I was at in my life when I was um, a teenager. And so the enemy played with that to where he was like, oh, you can't do it now. They did it first. Or, oh, no, they're going to look at you weird. Or they're going to say something. And so it stopped me from freely worshiping. And when the Lord started showing me these things, that, hey, it doesn't matter what the person beside you thinks about you. Who cares if someone's looking at you, right? Are you doing it for them or are you doing it because you're lifting up my name? Are you entering into my presence? And so as I was like, okay, whoo, all right, Lord. And so setting aside, who cares the person's beside me? And like literally, y'all, I started at the bottom, right? low hands, like barely raised, maybe one hand, half raised. And uh, then I was like, okay, so like I'm here. And as liberty began to happen, it's, I'm like, ah, it was like a freedom just took place to where I could raise my hands all the way up, extend them out. And I didn't care about the person beside me. I didn't care about anything else. I was going to enter in to the presence of God because there's nothing like being in his presence and when you're in that presence you don't ever want to leave right it's the place of peace of comfort to where you just can spend forever there and so this morning I want you guys no matter where you're at in your walk with God if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart well that's step number one Say, Lord, come into my heart. Make me a new creation. Creation, Forgive me of my sins. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Then, now that he's Lord of your life, now we're able to get into the Bible, right? Open it up. Read a scripture. You don't have to read the whole Bible in one day. It's okay. Take a verse, one verse at a time, day by day. Get that revelation and that knowledge from that one verse, and then the Lord will teach you something else. He'll, you know, it's a gradual thing. You don't just one day you're born and then all of a sudden you're walking, you're fluent in the language that you grew up in. No, you have to what? Learn to crawl, learn to walk, learn to talk. There's different stages that you go through. Every stage is good, but it's a process that you go through. You don't jump from one to the next. It's a growing, a continual growth. And having that relationship with God is so wonderful because every single day you can experience God's goodness and his presence. So if you want that wisdom, that guidance, direction, and instruction from God, don't stop. Don't just settle. Don't just go and get the t-shirt, say, hey, I went to church, been there, done that, don't have to do it anymore. No, make a daily decision to praise, to be thankful, to enter into his presence, to become that glorious church. You don't have to just be there one time and think, well, that was good, okay, I guess that's all there is. No, look ahead, find that peace, that joy, that freedom, those answers from Jesus daily. Every day has something good in store for you. If you don't feel that way and you need prayer, I want you guys to reach out to me at morningcoffeewithjesus at hotmail.com. If you just want to know about upcoming events or giveaways that we're going to be having here soon, click the link in the description or you can email me as well. But I want you to remember that I love you and you're never too young or too old to fulfill the call.